Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and yet again, I am joined by the lovely Spencer Round, two in a row. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I know. It feels like I was just here. I know. <laughs> We're doing it again, folks, because <laughs> oh I gosh. couldn't get enough of him. <laughs> oh. So I love, I love hearing that. I love hearing yes, that. Yes, <laughs> always. Oh my God. I will never get sick of, it's like you and Julie are like my new crown jewels in my podcast right now. So I'm like, keep it coming. Keep Heck coming. yeah. <laughs> Spencer and Julie 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to their sultry voices and their amazing giggles with mm, us. Just experience tee-hee, this. Tee-hee. Sultry and giggly. <laughs> tee-hee. Saucy. It's real <laughs> saucy. We're going to get real saucy up in here tonight, guys. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Okay, Spencer. We're back for another round. And shocker, you guys, what we're not talking about Taika Waititi. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> I'm no, out of here then. I'm out. Who I quit. <laughs> that is Scrooge the only requirement. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, ooh, I see what you did there, so that punny. Oh, wow. uh, well, what are we talking about then if we're not talking about Taika all the time? <sighs> it saddens me to say that we're not talking <laughs> about Taika, but we're talking about... Cue the the Christmas bells and music. Ching, 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 ding, ching, 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 A Christmas Carol written by Charles Dickens in 1843. Wowzers. That's crazy. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're done. We're done. So that's a book. It was written. Yeah. Sorry, it's the it's the the Christmas edition of or the holiday edition of your podcast where we for December we're doing a Christmas Carol. Bah humbug. Bah humbug to you, my lovelies. Uh yes, because you know. I'm going to try and sort of theme things as they come through, because before I was just winging it, and now I'm like, maybe I'll make an effort <laughs> and try to, like, Yeah, you've definitely not been making it. an effort with any of these other podcasts. <laughs> no, I really have just been no, barely so, doing the minimum. So lazy of you <laughs> to, to produce yeah, an entire podcast by yourself. I know. You know, um, <laughs> I sometimes regret my life choices on occasion where I'm like, man, what did I do to myself? But just just like Scrooge. Yeah. It's like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Bring it back around. <laughs> Wait, bring it back. Yes. Keep it keep it real and tangent. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh all right. So on the flip side. There are many, many adaptations of this, obviously, because mm-hmm. it was written a hot second ago in lovely 1843. So there's been a hot second to make a lot of versions. But yeah. we are going to be focusing on today the film adaptation called Scrooged, which was directed by Richard Donner in 1988. And it is starring lovely folks like Bill Murray, Karen mm-hmm. Allen, Alfre Woodard, Carol King, Bobcat Gothwaite, and many, 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 many other awesome yeah. actors in true. 80s fashion um yeah it's It's a veritable who's who of like people that you've seen in so many different movies but like maybe don't know the name of but it's like oh i recognize that person i've seen them before you know yep a lot of really kind of comedy classic folks in this um Mm -hmm. anything with bill murray on the billing is gonna be kind of a, a weird gem i'm here for it yeah yeah so if you do not know anything about scrooge and do kind of know about Christmas Carol, then please stay with us and you'll figure out why we picked such a weirdly not 
like actual <laughs> direct adaptation. Yeah. Uh, and again, like spoiler alert, my friends, spoiler alert. Uh, we're talking about this a lot. You can't stop us. If you've never heard of A Christmas Carol, go read it or what? Fix it. (laughs) One, you've been under a rock for a long time. (laughs) I was like, well, there's something else. You were in a coma. That's that's the only excuse. This one's kind of a hard one to not know about. But... I don't know. Uh, Also, it was written in 1843, so I feel like the window of how long before spoilers come out, like, what's that... it's we're, we're way past that, I feel. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, Shh, don't uh, tell anyone that he's oh. visited by three ghosts. Wait, what? <laughs> what? His no. name is Scrooge? <laughs> ah! I'm so confused. There's ghosts? Uh, Yeah, so <laughs> I don't think that I really need to disclaim anything, but nah. if you this know. is your first time listening to anything related to the Christmas Carol... Welcome. You are either one years old or you just came out of a coma. Welcome back. Uh, so keep joining. Since you were one years old. Since you were one years old. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Yeah, that's yeah, how medical science yeah. works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a long sure coma. That's... Wow. Well, I guess it depends. First, this is what happens when we don't talk about Taika Waititi. Uh, yeah. It just we just <laughs> tangent. Off spiral if you will um we would spiral anyway don't <laughs> don't kid yourself i mean do i want to admit that no but do i have to agree with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, uh, why wouldn't you want to admit that come on i don't fun. well that's fair okay i take it back rescind that statement my yeah, friends how dare you? uh i love going on random tangents with this mr spencewar uh okay well we've milked that for mm-hmm. all it's worth obviously so let's have the age-old question spencer mm-hmm. pro source pro adaptation um that's a i mean it's hard because like mm-hmm. it's a fun little read it's i mean mm-hmm. it's not a long book first of all it's a novella technically so yes so that has a, like a lot of points going for it right there because I didn't have to read it for very long, so that was great. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I had the I, minimal effort once again from Spencer. <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. At least you read it this time. Last time we were reading in real time on the podcast, and exactly. I felt like I know. didn't understand the assignment. So sorry. At least you I did got read that it. part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was less than fifty pages, so it could uh, hold my interest. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I know, I know, crazy. Special. No, I mean. It's a classic story, you know. Mm-hmm. I I think this is actually the first time I ever read it. Like, really? Actually, put you know eyes to page and read it oh, because okay. I think I grew up just like watching like the Disney, right? Because there's uh, so classic. many versions of this. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't like, quote unquote don't need to read it, right? Because you've seen it in so many different like like animated, live action, stage performance, musicals, yeah. like cartoons. I mean, it's like it's everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah, no, exactly. To- to separate no, yeah but you know when it's like when i have to choose between the two i like them for different reasons i think i like the i like scrooge because of it's just kind of like campy 80s comedy like just kind of yeah. silliness and stuff like yeah, that totally i mean you could probably put like wrap that around any other kind of premise and it would make a fine movie but it's it's fun being like kind of just like a silly christmas movie yeah but the messaging i feel like because 
Charles Dickens was like, I was kind of just reading up a little bit on his like his past and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. like he grew up uh, fatherless essentially from a young age and was like forced to work in like a factory because yeah. so he had like this you know he had a history with like kind of being an orphan and like child labor and stuff like that and just like how the aristocracy and like those with money you know didn't care about you know the the poor like folks the and apathy, stuff like that. Yeah. And apparently he had, like, written a bunch of, like, pamphlets and stuff, but, like, they didn't really do that well. And so he decided to, like, make the Christmas Carol sort of, like, this messaging about how industrialization and, like, uh, like the wealthy class and the mm. versus the lower class and, like, how mm-hmm. it's kind of deteriorating society around them and stuff like that. So I think message-wise, I... I I love the book because of that and like how forward thinking Charles Dickens was for the time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Or, you know, it just shows that like he was morally a good person, you know, and really well. So I think that being said, I think I prefer the book just because of messaging, because, you know, the the movie, it's just about a white guy, you know, being, being, a, being jerk, a rich, wealthy jerk and then learning a lesson at the end. Be. So, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's true because it's like everything is so melded now because it's been around for so long that trying to be like, well, I like all of the adaptations because they are the representation of the story. And I mean, it's like they're synonymous, right? So it's hard to be like, do I like the source better? Do I like, I mean, I feel like it's kind of all the same thing because it's just been cycled through so many times. For sure. But I, I totally agree. I think that there is definitely some charm and nuance to, again, like just the setting and time that this was written, that unless you're getting a, like an, a direct adaptation that is mm-hmm. stage performance where they're literally just, you know, they adapted it for the stage and it's in the same kind of like vibe as the 1800s. You don't quite get that with other versions. You right. know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he was using it as a way to like get people's attention to like look at like the the disparity between like the wealthy class and the lower class too. Like it had that like not only was it just like a story that he could sell, but he was like mm-hmm. actually putting out a message being like there's something fundamentally wrong with our society and we need to kind of look at it for what it is and like maybe yeah change our ways like Scrooge changes his ways, you know. Yeah, and I think yeah. I read somewhere that he had gone to some sort of charity event and that inspired him to write this book on top of like all of his like right. life experiences on top of that but he he just kind of like he went to an event realized how much it really just made him feel good right. about supporting those in need because he was someone who was in need for a lot of his life and so then he based a lot of that kind of emotional pull into the story which is like why it was it actually apparently helped um promote uh, upper cl- like upper class like elite grouping of mm-hmm. people to start to actually care about charity Be work more, charitable. more. And, yeah. yeah it actually yeah. spurred quite a bit of activity from then on of you know rich people helping those in need yeah. through charity work and and fundraising and stuff like that so it was actually like a huge spur in the community which i think was like bravo because yeah <laughs> that's crazy that a little novella kind of spurred this movement no exactly oh i i want to make a quick correction his father i think i said his father died his father was in debtor's prison so like that's even more of like a kind of like a shot across the bow but like the fact that like he was in prison because he couldn't pay off debts and stuff like that just shows even more that like yeah you know how broken the system was and stuff like that poverty's still there (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah woof yeah that's crazy i actually didn't Mm -hmm. know that 
Well, I feel like, you know, we've just completely bypassed, like, we're in we're in it. So let's just keep talking about it. Oh, uh, yeah. We don't have to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk about part one. We're already there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're in it, baby. We're in it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, like, mm. what, because we've we've heard, again, like, I, I feel like this is going to be a theme. It's like, both of us have heard and known this story in so yeah. many variations for so long. Like, going back and reading the book for the first time, like, how... Did it feel different than all the representations that you've seen? Or, like, what did that kind of experience feel like for you? It was definitely, I mean, obviously darker than most, you know. But it had, like, little bits of levity. So, like, I I really enjoyed, like, how, like, Scrooge or Ebenezer, like, Mm -hmm. or at least how he sees like these spirits and how they're like described to us and stuff. Like it's one thing like seeing like a cartoon, but actually like getting into like the uh, literary descriptors of it and like how like unnerving these characters are and like really spooky they can be and like how fearful Scrooge is. And Mm -hmm. just, I think, you know, Dickens is really good at finding those like these like little moments to just like, like really twist Scrooge and like really make him, like seem like a cowering creature even though like he's built up yeah. as this like man like man of his or man of wealth of means and stuff like that and like how mm-hmm. easily he's able to just like you know kind of crumble at the sight of these things but even so like mm-hmm. he does it he does a really good job of like i think the first spirit they it's like kind of almost biblical it has like a flaming crown and like mm-hmm. this like white robes and stuff like that kind of angelic yeah yeah. yeah exactly. I also just realized um we totally just bypassed. Do you want to oh. actually give a quick little synopsis? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I have it right here. <laughs> we were just My like gosh. so into we it. Just we're like right we're into in it. it. I was like, wow. okay, for those who are like maybe not as familiar with this literature and maybe are like overseas, I forget that there's more than just like people in Washington listening to I got, this. I got uh, really excited. We'll tell you. I know. We got so excited <laughs> to talk about this. I was like, oh yeah, there's like a piece missing. Yeah, oops. <laughs> Sorry. <bad>. So pause <laughs> for a second, do yes. the synopsis, and then we're back. <laughs> Rewind. That <laughs> 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 never happened. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the synopsis A Christmas Carol uh, is a novella by Charles Dickens, first published in London by Chapman Hall. Chapman and Hall in 1843 and illustrated by John Leach. It recounts the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly miser who is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. He is given a grave choice, change his ways or face the consequences. Yeah. Spoopy. I love it. Spoopy indeed. All right. We did it. Let's leave now. (laughs) No, let's just, we'll cut this out and we'll paste it the beginning of the conversation that we it's were like just it starting. never happened yeah exactly we're all professionals that's how here. editing Let's... works right god bless editing. i think <laughs> or i could just let this uh, just randomly you know, play itself out and just it's see more organic how... that way <laughs> i only eat organic mm. uh yeah so okay good got that out of the way check that yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we we kind of were until I rudely interrupted you with <laughs> the program uh no, no, no. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, like, the the charm of it, I feel, like, for me, yeah. again, this is, like, again, the the era of what it was written in. I, I really agree. I think that the, the visual descriptions of the three ghosts was, I think, more vivid, actually, yeah. than a lot of representations. But it, it was really very pretty writing and really just, like, or, more ornate than I was expecting it to be yeah. from what, what you've kind of seen in representations. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that Dickensian sort of. I guess I mean it's named after him, but like the like his mm-hmm. that prose and style of like 
the the doths and the you know it, it, he's mm-hmm. he's i'm trying to think of like another no i don't know it's just it's just good writing i don't know yeah it's it's it was nice because it it reminded me of like like fun stuff in high school like kind of going over like like shakespearean stuff and like how mm-hmm. there isn't that much of like a there isn't too much of an update in like a lot of the language and stuff but it feel it was kind of warm and it felt like a christmas like novel and stuff like that mm-hmm. but at the same time it i don't know it, it was it was he's really good at doing the spooks spooks and yeah the, the, the goblins and whatnot so yeah i like i really liked how they almost made the first ghost seem kind of like a cherub like very yeah. angel cherub kind of vibe mm-hmm. but i don't think they ever actually state that right they never state that it actually is a child it's just like ethereal and yeah other and like but shifting it, and stuff like that I, like yeah, it's it like really it's hard cool. to describe at first i feel like it's like when it's first appearing to him he's like he doesn't like really know how to describe it other than it's like kind of changing form in front of him and then it finally settles on something Mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's very cool aesthetic yeah, very for the three ghosts and then you know you have the second the christmas present and he's supposed to be very like he's depicted a lot as like jovial and like yeah. really happy and like kind of a bigger person like yeah just like i think they the call room. him like a like a giant of a man or something like yeah that. Like he's like big and i think they like in other adaptations i mean in the the disney one i don't want to like go into the the scrooge yeah. yet just because <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll yeah, talk we're about not. it but like the way that they describe him in like i'm, I'm thinking specifically in like the muppets one oh, and like the yeah. like the disney like animated one mm-hmm. with like mickey mouse and scrooge McDuck yeah. and all that <laughs> classic um, it's like like a giant like bearded man with like a big flowing robes and stuff like mm-hmm. that but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see like how how like the actual like literature holds up against the adaptate like the other adaptations that I'm familiar with. Yeah, and, like how much of a like a different picture I had in, like in my head after like reading it versus like how I had kind of seen them because that that was kind of constantly playing in my head as I was reading it too. Is like I was kind of like trying to separate like what I had already envisioned of like the ghosts and just kind of like leave it to you know dickens his own like words to describe right you know, how they right because there's so much reference to pull from it's hard not yeah. to be like oh it's kind of like this film that i've seen or this version that exactly I've seen. um i thought about muppets uh christmas carol a lot because yeah. honest to god it was pretty spot on and i was like yes muppets you got this <laughs> who is the ghost of christmas past in the muppets one because i remember the walk the the walking was muppet like, like the big guys yeah they literally made it like a little baby let was wearing oh. like these really long floaty robes and the baby was like itty bitty and just hovered everywhere and like right okay they had to take their little hand and hold it it was really creepy oh actually, yeah that's but... right i remember that now okay. yeah not that we're talking about the <laughs> no sorry <laughs> I was girl, just, but yeah. that's a great one <laughs> if you haven't seen just... it <laughs> we almost did that one by the way I know the, we actually seriously it, discussed yeah. that because that is my all-time favorite version to be to, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's interesting to see parts of it that definitely have resonated throughout mm. adaptations from the original writing, and then there's certain things that is very unique to the book. And I think you're right that the kind of descriptions of like the fl- the flaming crown, and then mm-hmm. something that I haven't seen as consistently, but with the the Ghost of Christmas Present he starts to age further right. into his transition and gets to the point where he starts to like gray and become yeah. kind of older and slower as time moves on, which I thought was interesting because it's like time is marching on, right? And he's he's Christmas present. And so right. he transitions into the ghost of cri- Christmas, Christmas that is yet, yet to come. come. Yeah. And that is basically like kind of unanimous with 
like death essentially yeah and it's kind of like tied to like the the flow of the story too it's like he's like it's nearing the end of like the christmas present right and Mm -hmm. like you said he's aging and growing old as like his you know Mm -hmm. his time with scrooge is coming to an end exactly i said unanimous i meant synonymous my (laughs) words i know my words I know what you meant. Ha! Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's like you get to Ghost of Christmas if yet to come, and a lot of the, the depictions that you see are of death, right? Mm-hmm. Or a death-like cloaked figure where you don't yeah. see the face. And I, I think actually the book was probably one of the creepiest versions, honestly. Yeah, because it's just a pale hand and like, yeah, like in like these folds of cloaks. And I think they say he like says that he like sees like a glimpse of the fi- like the the face at one point but like it's obscured by the cloak it's still barely it's barely there yeah. yeah yeah it's, it's just very really spooky yeah. also honestly like we kind of like passed the very beginning of the story but oh, yeah. like his his uh fellow his his colleague um Marley Oh Marley yeah yeah in the beginning it's actually kind of a terrifying image cuz he's like covered in chains and like yeah. all this other stuff i mean because isn't it like he's covered in chains and then also didn't they say he's covered like there's like boxes and stuff of like money chests? Yeah, that it's are, just like, like he's, he's dragging dra- behind he's him. Draped in like chests and like and like just yeah, like collection sim- boxes and yeah, stuff sim- like that, right? Because he was a because he and Scrooge are debtors, so they're like mm-hmm. they're getting money from people who owe like they're lending money and then they're coming back to they're like, like tax you know, collectors, take the money. kind of exactly. Yeah, I, I assume that. <sighs> Yeah, it's Marley's greed. He's like wearing his greed through life, essentially, as a ghost, and like he's yeah. cursed to like to have this weight that he accrued through his life. Yeah, it's a terrifying thing to just see in your bedroom. And then they like, <laughs> yeah, well, then they describe there. it as like, doesn't he like like walk through a wall and like Scrooge is like stuck and like the, he just yeah. keeps getting closer. I think yeah. he, yeah. And it's terrifying. him seeing like his face in the door knocker and stuff like that as he's trying to like enter. The... Yeah. Yeah. When he first goes into his home after work, it's like Christmas yeah. Eve. He goes home and the very first kind of visit he gets is Marley's face appears yeah. in his door knocker and just yeah. kind of screams at him, which is like, yikes. <laughs> I really want to like like a true like kind of horror movie. Right. Like, made Wouldn't this, this be I crazy think... if this was a horror film? Because you could totally spin it. Get like a Guillermo totally del Toro <gasps> like Christmas Carol. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Anybody who's got any sway with Guillermo del Toro, if you're <laughs> listening, get on this. <laughs> get on it, please, <laughs> please. The world we needs it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we've earned this. Yeah, after the year we've had. <laughs> Give us Guillermo del Toro Christmas. You Carol. mean like the last three years we've yeah. had? We've it's been three this. years. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, really creepy writing, and I, I didn't really, because again, I feel like this, this episode's kind of a weird one because there's so much content to pull from besides yeah. what we're actually comparing. That it's like I think this whole thing is just going to be a comparison episode, to be honest with you. But, uh, it's like I never got that kind of creepy vibe. Yeah. From most of the other adaptations in the beginning, it was really all the creepiness vibe kind of sets in with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Right. And I tell you, the book was real spooky in the beginning. And I, I was surprised, actually, at yeah. how creepy he, he ran it. And also, it's it was like, did you feel that like Ebenezer was he was scared, terrified? And mm-hmm. then the, the one kind of weird thing about it, since it's a novella, it's really yeah. short. So I felt like the transition 
from him freaking out about some dead dude being in his room right to then going about his daily life and then eventually seeing the second or the first ghost right like I felt like that transition was a little too fast. Yeah, there was. Did you a feel point, that there was a point where he's? I th- I feel like it's because he's still second guessing, like that it actually happened. Because there's a That's like true. there's a line that yeah. he says where he's like, "You must just be a piece of un- you might just be a piece of undigested meat or something like that." Right, in his stomach. right. It's right. indigestion. <laughs> indigestion. Yeah, it's like I'm just seeing yeah. things right now, and it's you know, yeah. yeah. That's true. So it's like he's still in denial about it, like almost up until that, like that first ghost and then he's like but i feel like he's still uh, they write him as still like being a little paranoid at the same time he's like did that actually happen like he's he's like starts second guessing his second guessing and then like that's you know, true he does and then by the time the first spirit actually shows up he's like oh it's happening it's really happening yeah. now it's happening <laughs> yeah also like the whole theme of you will hear the bell toll and then the new ghost mm-hmm. will come mm-hmm that just make furthers my kind of apprehension about like clocks like i i always clocks like <laughs> chiming of clocks actually yeah. kind of stresses me out a little yeah. bit especially like big ticking like the the big hall clocks and all the old timey stuff it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit did actually, you watch the lie. the little tangent did you watch uh stranger things this new season yeah see that yeah. freaky yeah, I bet. Freaky, especially with, fun. like, the noise distortion that they oh, did yeah. on that, the too, boo. which is, like, yeah, it yeah. is uncomfortable. And I, and I think it's maybe it's, like, in my mind, since we're both musicians, I yeah. kind of trigger with, like, metronomes a little bit too closely right. where, like, metronomes sometimes kind of stress me out for that exact same that that ticking is just, like, too, too oh, constant. Yeah. It kind of, kind of stresses me out a little bit. Well, uh, also, if he's, like, yeah. trying to go to sleep at the same time and, right. like, it's, you know, you hear the ticking and then, like... Right. Like, I, and he's already yeah. expecting something to happen, so maybe it's that that would, tension like, built. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like maybe a lot of... um I feel like a lot of horror actually plays a lot on like the bell tolls one or tolls mm-hmm. three and that's the devil's hour. Like a lot right. of spooky stuff is kind of built into time, especially oh, yeah. like audio Times of time. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's like it's a really creepy drive and it's it's kind of genius actually yeah. to just yeah, think yeah, about yeah. like you're basically not paying attention until all of a sudden, oh crap, the clock just chimed the appropriate time. So right. you're just like you're just waiting. To see what's gonna happen, which is kind of terrifying, actually. <laughs> In my Man. mind, I don't know. What did you did you think that like Scrooge redeems himself completely by the end of it? Like, you know, it starts out with him being like, you know, he's yeah. like invited to like this dinner with his family that he blows off, mm-hmm. and then For like his nephew, yeah, and then and then he's uh, he grudgingly allows uh, his. Uh, was it Bob Cratchit the day off yeah. for Christmas and yeah and then and then of course he's visited by these these three ghosts and then he imme- immediately changes his ways like is that do you think you can like be redeemed in one night yeah yeah this all happens like Christmas Eve night I yeah I mean I guess I wonder if part of the reason that this was so prominent when it mm-hmm. was written is that think about the timing of this like. Sci-fi wasn't really was early stages and just writing horror like this. I mean, it is kind of a horror element to an extent. Yeah. When, I mean, especially if you're talking about like spirits and stuff in this day and yeah. age, right? Like, I feel period. like there was a lot more weight around like topics like this. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I feel like if you're living as 
Ebenezer Scrooge in yeah. the year of 1843. I think that this could totally change your persona yeah. overnight because this would be pretty like horrific to think of. Like it would, it would. I think yeah. it would be life changing yeah. to be honest. Now, <laughs> with how like I don't know, I feel like people are just a lot more kind of used to this kind of stuff yeah. you know not used to it but at the same time it's just like you have you're kind of numb to a lot more of like the supernatural stuff because it's everywhere right. now it probably wouldn't translate into like a novel these days honestly right that well, or maybe it would take longer i don't yeah. i don't know like i feel like we've been kind of used to it for so long that i don't know if it would really if i, I think it would have to be pretty horrific stuff for you yeah. to really change your ways in a day in in today's society but, but that would make me. I don't it would know. make sense that it may resonate with people back then though just because like you you were saying like the occultism mm-hmm. like kind of angle of it and be, people being like oh i already kind of believe that this stuff may exist and i don't want to live my life maybe he was kind of going for that like change your ways or this may happen to you sort of thing and just kind of yeah playing on people's fears of like ghosts and like you know specters and stuff like that hauntings yeah yeah and i think yeah i I mean yeah exactly i think that it it just the time it was written resonated in a different way than i think it does today which i think is also why there's so many adaptations of it because it hits everybody a little bit differently depending on how you present it but it's like the same recurring themes but then it's just how you land there it can just resonate differently with people especially now versus when it was written but yeah that's an interesting question um (laughs) In my mind, I don't know, maybe I think, again, this is like all of our kind of current Mm. cultural kind of persuasion around, like, do I think that he could have been changed in a day? Right. Personally, I don't think so. But again, looking back historically, maybe. What I'm really saying is how many ghosts do we need to, like, get into Elon Musk's house (laughs) before he starts giving away money? Figures himself out. (laughs) Because buying Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, okay. So, are we talking at least fifteen billion ghosts or something like I, that? That maybe? might be. Yeah. They'd all have to be charged at the door to get in, though. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> get that ghost verification. <laughs> Eight dollars, right? Eight, Eight dollars. <laughs> Eight ghost bucks, please. Before I get advice from you, yep. um, yeah, that isn't that a great question? We. Uh, we may never know. We may never know. Ghosts get on it. Yeah. If we got any if ghost listeners. Could, <laughs> if somebody could Ebenezer Scrooge the crap out of Elon Musk yeah. today, that'd Please. be really great. Please. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great question. I just feel like what would have to happen for someone in today's world to really have that be an impact i think we're i think our billionaires are just too like i mean the fact that they're billionaires like they don't have to worry about so disconnected was just right yeah scrooge was like less of a rich person than any of these people today are so yeah do they really do they really describe uh ebenezer as being an actual like elite class in think, they don't really describe no, but, him that way but he's everybody, just a businessman but everybody kind of right. like holds him up on this pedestal like when they talk well, about he holds him almost, himself right? there <laughs> yeah but like so. you are i mean when you see um him confronting the future right you're like he's mm-hmm. everyone is like even though he's dead like people are like still talking about like was it supposed to be that he like had just recently passed away? That maybe that's what I'm not. I th- I think so. It's like okay. he he passes and then he's seeing the aftermath of what he left behind essentially. Right. Because we saw people like people like him. digging through his house and just like talking shit about taking him and his stuff, like stuff, that. taking his stuff and selling it. Exactly. Yeah. You you 
uh, see um, his family. Like, if only he had, like, changed his ways and, like, we would have had more good Christmases together. We could have had some like more that. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think that part of the interpretation of him, like, seeing, oh, this is what people thought of you, I right. think that is a little bit more on the shallow side of, like, oh, people don't like me. I must right. change my ways. But right. then they also have this, the kind of on the offset of that. They go to his employee's house, um, Cratchit, Cratchit. and then they see that they're pretty impoverished. Mm -hmm. His son is sick and is basically on On his deathbed at that point because they didn't have enough money to help keep him healthy. And he was already uh, already had disability. And so that piece, I think. I'm surprised they didn't do more stuff like that, saying, like, see, because you didn't pay your employees more and weren't more gracious with your money, this is the outcome of their lives because of you being stingy. Right. And I wish that there had been more correlation with things like that because I think that would be, well, I'm also kind of more of a well-adjusted and nice person and want to actually help people. I would find- (laughs) That's that's the sticking point right there. I know. That's the thing is like, I would think that that would be a lot more poignant to be like, you literally killed people because you didn't pay them enough to live. Yeah. But that's also, you know, I'm very biased because I'm not a billionaire and also- I yeah. <laughs> live off of my work because right. <laughs> I don't because have billions of dollars. That's how we do it, yeah. As a <laughs> yeah. non-billionaire status. Um, right. Yeah, but it also so does very show, <laughs> shows like like where his misplaced values are because mm-hmm. the like the people are like taking his stuff and they're like, Yeah, he doesn't he's dead. It's where's who cares? Your, what's yeah. your, what are you gonna do with all that stuff after you die? And they're like, Yeah, it's right. ours now. You don't need it, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. And like how he yeah. could have helped people in, in life. And then how after he died, ever you know, it's he sees the suffering that he caused. Yeah, yeah. I and I think there's also like they kind of pepper throughout the story. Like in the beginning, there's the um, the charity workers that stop by saying, "Would you be con- like? Would you consider giving right. to this charity for? I think it was factory workers and, or something like yeah, food and food and the, uh, like clothing for, for factory port, yeah. workers and yeah. And he he completely shuts it down. And so then because of everything that happens, he has this full 180 and just like goes and tracks these guys down saying, not only do I want to donate to you, but I want to like give an obscene amount of money right. and I want to continue to do so. So it's it's just interesting that, you know, he because of just basically seeing Bob Cratchit's family, that's really the only thing that he sees that is something that's not affecting him personally, right. but it's something that's because of him. And I think that that was interesting that that's the one piece that ties his kind of charitable nature to come out is right. not because he thinks that people don't like him. I feel like that was that's more of a shallow well, thing. It, it, I don't I feel know. Like, well, don't know. It, the first ghost kind of shows him, um, or I guess first spirit shows him that I think there's a moment where he's with like his his uh, lover and oh, yeah. she's like breaking up with him because because he's he, so not with it <laughs> yeah but he's like so into like he's into money more than like their livelihood like their own yeah. life lives together and stuff like that and so yeah that may have been like the first like nail in the like you're you're obsessed on with your money that's the one thing mm-hmm. like you're you're obviously your head's not in the right place and then it shows like the repercussion like the further repercussions outside of his own personal life that like actually he's been making like these these waves essentially of death that's true that's a good yeah yeah in some cases yes it is death or just like depression sadness and just like in his wake yeah that's a good point 
So yeah, maybe not the ending is really driving that home, but it's peppered. It's, it's kind of like that slow build. It's like this is where you started. Like this is the ins- mm-hmm. like kind of the inciting incident of it, and then because mm-hmm. it also it shows snowballed. like because he had this option. You think you think of it like he's seeing his past and he's seeing like how he was happy at like his first job with like his first employer who's throwing this big feast for all the employees and stuff after you know for christmas eve and like mm-hmm. like that's the path that he could have gone down but he obviously chose like the less charitable more greedy path and then this causes mm-hmm. you know this you see where it diverges and like where he could have like gone towards but he chose like wealth and like he killed greed greed yeah 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 it is it is an interesting, like, it's almost like an Aesop fable, but mm-hmm. a really elegant one. Yeah. Where it, it's, you know, like, yes, you have all these choices and all these moments in your life that you can choose you or you can choose money or you can choose these things. But then where does that get you right. at the end of it all? And that is, you know, that's the overarching storyline is like what you have all this money you have all this wealth and all this power what did it actually get you when you yeah. died it's not like it's not just saying that greed is bad it's saying like here are the stages that like greed takes to get to like where scrooge was like this mm-hmm. it's like any any person can get there and once they're there they don't want to leave because they're so like invested in themselves but like mm-hmm. you can but like you said there are all these moments where he's like oh this is like where I could have been happy with like my family and this is like what my money could have done for other people. And like, Mm -hmm. but instead he's, you know, it's a good, it's a good progression. I'd say they, he Dickens does a good job of like kind of taking his time and like making Scrooge, like feel every kind of piece of the like journey along the way. It lingers just long enough. Yeah. I think one of my favorite scenes in the, it's during the middle section of like the ghost of Christmas present Mm -hmm. is when he actually goes to his nephew's house to see the party that he's missing yeah or that he thinks he will be missing and it's actually like i think it's one of the sweetest points of the book because the nephew is like this truly sweet nice gentle person who just wants to like keep asking his uncle yeah he's sad that his uncle's not there like he wants he wants the family to be together yeah and he's like not bitter about it and his it's like his friends and his wife are like why do you bother yeah what's the point of inviting him every year when we you already know the answer like mm-hmm. he's never gonna come and he's like but it's my uncle and yeah, i, I want try. him to be here with family and like and, and he like never gives up on him and that optimism is just like the sweetest part yeah. of the book i think um and it's interesting that they make it his nephew and not like his son or his brother or something right. like that you know like it's his nephew specifically and i think it's he does look up to him as a father figure mm-hmm and I really, I, I enjoy that. And then also, like, that's one of the few moments in the book that Ebenezer actually has pure joy from just, like, the the atmosphere of that party. And mm-hmm. he's like, everybody's so happy. Everybody's drinking right. and being merry and dancing and playing funny games. And, and he, like, doesn't want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so he sees, like, this is what it looks like when you could actually be living and, right. like, actually doing more than just counting your money. <laughs> like, you could be, yeah, you could find actual happiness. Yeah. With mm-hmm. you know, the people and that you that's love a and the great one to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I th- think that's one of my all-time favorite moments of the book. And it is a really sweet thing and you know he wants to like get involved in this really funny like charades game that Mm -hmm. they're playing and like it's it's a sweet moment and then him having to leave is he is so sad to leave and then it really takes quite a dark turn from there because then it starts to shift into the next ghost snowballing into like Uh the 
the scarier part that he has to finally reconcile with like his death and the you know yeah everything that like has kind of built to this point that he's done wrong essentially and the the outcome of it right it's like this is what you could have but yeah. since you're still set in your ways yeah. this is what will happen if you here's keep going what down will, the path. Yeah. yeah right and i mean what a way to hold that over someone's head of like it's one thing to say if you don't change your ways you're going to end mm-hmm. up alone it's one thing to say that but then to see in real time the outcome, I think mm-hmm. that would be pretty, oh, yeah. like, and, the and gravity of that. actually affected yeah. everyone around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would hope that most people would understand how that's ridiculously, like, that should be a wake-up wake call for most people, yeah. you would think. Empathy and then sympathy. <laughs> right. Weird. What? What are those, Spencer? Right. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, those are weird concepts. 2022, uh, that word means nothing to me. It's, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we're all about that apathy life, my friends. Hell yeah. Um, oh, man. It, now we're taking a turn. We're, we're turning uh, for the worst. Save it. Save it. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> How do we save it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, shall we like, I feel like there's a lot of other things we could kind of talk about, but that feels like that's just going to get into comparison yeah. mode. So why don't we shift gears? I mean, and we've, we've got, we went over like the main, like you know line that you know the, the the theme of it it's you know greed bad you know greed bad give parties good yeah, yeah. pay your employees pay your employees fair <laughs> living wages. wage yeah, please at least yes. a minimum of living wage guys come minimum. on minimum i'm snapping i'm snapping i can't say this enough <laughs> uh all right let's switch gears so we're going to talk about the adaptation which is called scrooge filmed in 1988 so i'll take a little synopsis of this bad boy Mm -hmm. in this modern take on charles dickens a christmas carol frank cross played by bill murray is a wildly successful television executive whose cold ambition and curmudgeonly nature has driven away the love of his life claire phillips played by karen allen but after firing a staff member elliot loudermilk Ooh, louder milk. Louder milk. <laughs> louder milk. That's Ugh. a name in it. Yeah. Uh, played by Bobcat Gothwaite. On Christmas Eve, Frank is visited by a series of ghosts who give him a chance to reevaluate his actions and right the wrongs of his past. So. So good. It's Okay. This film, okay, this is like a classic staple <laughs> Christmas movie in my family. I adore this film. This is one it that I hadn't no seen. I hadn't seen this one for a while. So it was it was oh, fun kind of retreading it. Yeah. This is in like my family's repertoire yeah. of every year we watch this Christmas movie. Yeah. God, it's it's kind of a gem and it's weird and quirky and it's true Bill Murray humor. And yeah. so if you don't like Bill Murray, probably not for you. Peak Bill but Murray. Man for is sure. it great. Yeah. God, Bill Murray. <laughs> so funny. I know. It's so weird and so quirky, but it's like it actually takes place in the 80s. Yes. So the vibe is so different than yes. a lot of the kind of, you know, traditional a- adaptations, right? Because it's, it's not, not like the, in not like the quiet, snowy Dick Christmas, like, you know, l- snowy London sort of thing. It's it's yeah. New York City and it's like loud and 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Full blown 80s. All the hair, all yeah. the shoulder pads. It's yeah. And I I really enjoy this film because the humor is spot on it's so good and so weird Mm -hmm. but also it's like really meta this movie is like so bill murray is he's an exec a television executive and so they're putting on a christmas special of the christmas carol and so they're showing like tangents of 
the actual like live production, which is in Dick and Era. Right. And then they're juxtapositioning that against Bill Murray actually having himself be visited in, you know, quote unquote, current right. times, the 80s. And so it's it's so genius. Yeah. Like the, the transitioning that they have in it is kind of brilliant. Yeah, because he's I, like, he's. I love it. The the whole like it's a cool idea for like the TV executive who like to like find his comeuppance sort of thing and like mm-hmm. God I love the, how it opens with like <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the fake the, the movie like the action movie about like Santa fighting off special forces the night the reindeer died <laughs> the, night the reindeer died. It's like Santa and his workshop are getting ready for Christmas, and then they start getting torpedoes and stuff yes. shot at them. And then um, Lee Majors they have to have Lee Majors in, comes the $6 in, six million dollar man <laughs> shows up to help Santa, and, and has all these like Uzis and automatic oh weapons, and has to like shoot all these like dudes coming to attack the North Pole. Oh my god, so silly. Yeah, and they're like, it's classic. It'll get the butts in the seats because we're <laughs> television execs, and it's like, oh my god, it's yeah, it's. Ugh. It's so it's funny. quite an opener. Yeah, it's quite an opener. <laughs> definitely caught your attention. <laughs> yeah, and it also just you know I know the '80s has been kind of you know the poster child era of everybody being corporate and yeah. very money driven and power driven, um, especially in executive corporate settings, in especially in this case mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's this just kind of made me think of like a really goofy aesthetic of like American Psycho. Yeah. Where, it's just like that power hunger and that right. power trip of everybody and it's just money, money, money and it's consumerism at yep. its height. It's, I feel like yeah. this is the eighties. Capitalism is yep. is on the rise and what we whatever we can sell to people, we're gonna sell to people. And if that's, you know, yeah. Scrooge the musical or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty incredible because, you know, they they play off uh, Frank Cross, Bill, Bill Murray's character. Mm-hmm. They play him off as like he is completely jaded about Christmas. He thinks it is an absolute scam. And it's just, you know, yep. the in, like the it's the industry is just making money off of saps. And I, you know, I kind of feel like I kind of resonate with that just a little bit because I think that Christmas has definitely been completely overrun with consumerism oh, yeah. for sure. Like I, I kind of agree with that a little bit. No, I mean, I think that once you hit yeah. like Thanksgiving and like all of the Christmas commercials start pouring, just buy onto shit. TV. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. Black Friday starts and just like yep. just buy more shit yep. and give yourself, give get yourself more it's stuff all about and the like best deal on the newest thing. Yeah, yep. and I, I just feel like it's. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of resonate with that yeah. a little bit. I've always been kind of no. I think it's on, a, on it's the a, fence about that. It's a good take, like modern, like more modern take on the uh, mm-hmm. like the Scrooge analogy, so, or like the Christmas Carol analogy. That like it would be like uh, like a top corporate guy that would you know who's in charge of like the livelihoods of all the crew like workers and stuff Everyone like that. Everyone in that building, his personal assistant, yeah. all this stuff, oh. and yeah. Yeah, it's woof. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like that you really they really drive his kind of persona home within the first 10 minutes. And again, we're going back to like they're doing a screening of that horrible Christmas yep. movie as part of their like shows that they're going to present throughout the holidays. And then they also like show, "Oh, we're we're bringing back a Christmas carol because it's our annual thing." And right. he's like it's all in like Dick- Dickens era and it's like really beautiful stage production, but it's live. And 
Bill Murray <laughs> is like, I hate it. Nobody likes this. Why would you do this? This is so hokey. And so then he has his own version right. of what he thinks that people will want to see for like an ad. <laughs> and it's like blood, acid rain, right. and like guns and violence. And they're like, it's, it is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas, fear. And like, it's just all fear-based. And they're like, what the hell is this? And he's like- <laughs> This is how you get butts in seats. Is you scare people scare that they the don't want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's his his view on what Christmas is to him. And it's like, dude, who hurt you? Yeah, this is this is <laughs> this guy's not well Whoa. adjusted. <laughs> He's got Whoa. oof. Oof. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh trauma there, yep. I would say, that's yep. not being dealt with in the appropriate channels. Uh therapy's great, guys. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Uh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Go to therapy. Please work Please. through your issues. Yes. Please don't just, you know, do a, bu- a Bill Murray don't be and a Scrooge. scary ads. Don't be a Scrooge. <laughs> to, to don't to... be a Frank Cross. <laughs> don't be a Frank Cross. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty wild. I, I I really enjoyed how they how they kind of turned his character. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, he's a big money man. And yeah, he's not really very heartfelt with any of his employees in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which that's all true to the to, to the, the original the core, yeah, yeah. But it's just you know it it's just it's so seeped in all the like stereotypical eighties like power suits and yep, they're constantly phones. drinking and the yeah. big ass cell phones yep. and it's just all about more 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 give me more all the time and mm-hmm. it's just insatiable vibe the entire time. Oh yeah. Well, it, what do, what do they yeah. have? At, like they bring in like the dancers at one point, and they're like these like the, <laughs> the solid yeah, gold dancers, they're, and they're like this yeah, big... they're scandalous yeah. outfits. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, like yeah. trying to add whatever big thing to like catch sex the, appeal. The people's attention, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is such a weird thing where they're like, yeah, we're in Charles Dickens era with all the costuming, except for these dancers who are in basically like right, um, like what showgirl outfits. Yep. And so they bring in the sex appeal and then they kind of and we're back to our, our scheduled show. No, it's it's kind it's, of perfect yeah, it's, because it's it, genius. He's the guy who's <laughs> missing the point of Christmas and it's like this is this is what I you know, and it, it's this is what everybody wants to see. Way off yeah. base of like what the, you know, what people should yeah. be focusing on, you know, obviously. But. I think this is like a complete tangent, but mm. his in one like in the early scenes, his his current boss comes to him and says, Did you know? <laughs> dogs and cats are actually they're doing studies on dogs and cats and how they could become our next like that's right they want to start marketing programming for dogs and cats yeah yes studies show that pets are watching more tv or something yes (laughs) it was the most ridiculous thing and they're like we need to start actually like gearing towards cultivating that audience to get dogs and cats as Consist- they could be our next viewership for the next 20 years. So he's already doing like ridiculous things and then he's like uh, forced to do and like- And this is his boss more coming ridic- to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like that That kind of like promotion of that's the mindset that right. he's enveloped in. It's just like, well, of course he's like that. Everybody here is like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild. Um, yeah, because they're just following yeah, it's- trends. It's all That's all it is at the end of the day. It's like the stats, yeah. right? They're just Everything trying- is so empty. It yep. just feels so empty. And yep. again, I feel like that's kind of you know, I was not alive for most of the 80s. I was born tail end of that. So it was like I didn't get to experience yeah. like actually living in the 80s, but just all the like media representation. It just seems so empty. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's all like yeah. it's all just gold plated 
but really like underneath bleak. it, yeah, it's yeah. Nothing. yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I mean, it's it's kind of a genius way to package this mm-hmm. story, and then as you know. It is kind of, there are kind of darker moments, but it's all played out with Bill Mary humor. Yeah, the levity so, of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of brilliant because there are some really tragically sad moments. Like they go to his, um, his childhood home when he's like four. And so he sees his mom and his dad and has a really rough relationship with his dad. And then he like just Niagara Falls Frankie Angel with yeah. his mom in the room. And yep. It's his dad played yeah. by Bill Murray's older brother in real life. In real life. Yeah, that's yeah. actually his brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I mean, well, and then it, it shows like how he's because if I'm remembering correctly, there like that scene is like him like finding comfort in watching TV too at the yeah, same time and like he's watching just plopped these... in front of the TV and he was raised yep. by the television, which is again why he's in the television mm-hmm. industry because that was his childhood. That was which his totally checks out coping mechanism <laughs> for having like kind of these terror you know, not so great family dynamic and stuff like that. So Yeah. Yeah, they they, they didn't dive too much into that, but they definitely made it seem like his father was like well, and they, I mean, it's like this perfect visual before you even get in the house. It's like they go up to his childhood house and every single house has Christmas lights except for theirs. Mm-hmm. Every single house is covered in lights. And it's like this dark hole in the middle of the street that is his house. Yeah. So you can totally see where the kind of bitterness came from. Yeah, And like, what does he get for Christmas present? Five pounds of veal? Five pounds of veal yeah. for a four-year-old when he wanted a choo-choo train. That's that's expensive. That's five pounds of veal, though. But we can that's use actually, it. That's yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So his dad's like a butcher and they're not well off. And he's like, you know, this is a really nice cut. You should be grateful for the fact that I got this for you. And then he's like, mm-hmm. well, why don't you go out and buy one? And the mom's like, he's four. And he's like, I can't hear all these excuses. Right. I can't work. My back hurts. I'm only four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> So I, I I can see where, yeah, I can yeah. totally see where that that empathy and anger for sure came from. Yeah, which is really tragic. You so cute when you. I know. Frankie Angel, little, little Frankie, so cute. Frankie Angel. But yeah. yeah, it's a really interesting way of depicting just like he did have kind of a hard childhood. Yeah. But he the thing is like he had a hard childhood, but then they show him when he's in his like what twenties. Yeah. And he's he's starting to get into the television industry as like the kind of low end of Right. He's like a production assistant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like working his way up. And you can still see that he hasn't really lost his humanity yet. Right. So you could they show a lot more of the transition of him Especially with his um his kind of like love of his with, life, uh, Claire. Claire Claire yeah. Phillips. That's right. So that's like they meet when they're in their twenties, and it is really sweet. Yeah. And and you can see that oh he there is a human under there. Right. It kind of <laughs> like, I mean it does a good job of following the beats of the book for sure. Where it's like you know it has him as a kid, like where Scrooge would have been, mm-hmm. and then. And then, yeah, then through his life, meeting his his love right. interest. He wasn't a monster then, his right. whole life. Exactly. Like things happened that he made choices, or things happened yeah. to him that kind of swayed him in a way to kind of turn into what he is today. And I really liked the trajectory. Like they made it really a sweet kind of relationship with him and Claire. Yeah. And then lumpy, you start to really see you lumpy. Mm-hmm. She smacks him with a door, and right. so then she nicknames him Lumpy. So like that's a quite big a lump, lump on his head. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's a really cute dynamic, and I really I like 
that they built i feel like they built a lot more on the the relationship between claire and frank mm-hmm. the book kind of glossed a little yeah bit over it did the, like the, the relationship i mean it's a short book so i'm, I'm sure like yeah. he was just trying to get the point yeah. across is like he lost the love you know this was then, part right. of it exactly yeah. but they really focus on that's a very big like pull in the film yeah is his um, love is his 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 lack of his lack of empathy towards the end and then him regretting losing claire right. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting because then like he starts working his way up into the industry and starts to become more prominent, and then his his boss at the time starts paying him more t- attention and right. like invites him out to dinner, and, and he, he starts like dropping out of like previous say, engagements. He, he blows with his off like a Christmas party with the with his girlfriend with and friends. their friends, right? And so you can see that turning point of like, well, it's all about me, 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 and I think that's actually one of the the hardest scenes is like. He's about to get back on his show because he's like he's he plays a dog on a children's right. show and he's about to go back on stage because they're live. And then he says to Claire, he's like, maybe if you could like put my needs and the, the needs of the show mm-hmm. in front of your own, that would be really great. And he was like really rude yeah. about it. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry that I wanted to go spend time with you and my friends on Christmas. Right. And like. It's really sad that it's like you get to that point and it's like, oh my God, do you even hear yourself? He's only thinking about his own future prospects and stuff. And like how instead of like living in the moment and like being with his friends and family, he's it's it's the the grind that he's like more concerned with. Yeah. No boundaries with work and life, right? Which I'm a huge advocate. Like work life boundaries matter, Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Work is not your life. Mm -hmm. If it is, that's not okay. (laughs) Like I mean, we've all struggled with it, I'm sure. Like, I know <laughs> yeah, I have. it's really it's it can be yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it was a really tragic turning point to see like she had true remorse of like, really? This is what it's come to? Like we're really doing this right now? And he's like Yeah. Yeah. I mean he kind of saw I think he realized at the tail end he's like, Okay, maybe what I said was kinda harsh, but he didn't like try to like reconcile or anything like yeah, that. yeah he didn't he didn't really try he's like well i guess i'll try and make it i guess you know i have to do this thing with my boss but i'll try and make it with you and then they kind of fade out and it's like that's the last that's time it. he really talks to yeah. her and it's like you picked your show over this woman that you said you loved and it's like it's it was tragic mm-hmm. and they did a good job of kind of spinning what he was like before the the kind of money aspect got into his life right yeah. But they also showed like he did have a traumatic childhood and there is a, a lot of trauma there that I can see where like power and money would definitely make you be like, yes, I came from nothing. Right. And this is what I have. This is all I have to show for it. So if I don't have this, what do I have? And now I can buy my own five pounds of veal if I want to. And stuff yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And I can see I can see that trajectory of why that would be important to have that kind of like mm-hmm. something to show for it. And that's what you think is the important part. Exactly. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. I do want to talk about um, the second ghost. The I was going to say we we haven't present. talked about any of the ghosts yet. I know. Yeah. So the first ghost is a taxi driver yes. with the most epic Brooklyn accent you will ever hear. And really gross teeth. Um, and really gross teeth <laughs> and smoking cigarettes <laughs> the, the entire time. It's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, a cigar. Yeah. yeah. Super rugged. Very Brooklyn. Yeah, it's interesting that he drives him around in a taxi. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. Oh, and like, then it's really awesome. We also didn't talk about the Marley thing too, because that's like his Marley is his old executive. Oh, or something like that, his right? old ex- his old boss, his old boss Lou Hayward. Yeah, who's like he like shows up in like 
a golf uniform or golf something. Golf like outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like He's chains. in golf attire. Yeah. Has a, a mouse come out the back of his head and pushes a golf ball out the back oh, of his head. Oh, that's right. Because he, so he, he died on a golf course. Right. He have like a heart attack on a golf course or something like something that? Something like yeah. that. I don't know if they actually say he's just like one minute he's ready to putt and then the next he just he's I'm a worm feast. Um, so, he just, so yeah, it's very, very different vibe. And, you know, he is not in the he, well, he dangles, okay, so him, he he dangles him out a window at one point. I remember he that. Dangles him out a like window saying change your glass. attitude, yeah. buddy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, they don't have as much draw with the chains which i thought was interesting because there are chains on him but they're really subtle and it's chains of um is there anything on the chains or did they just have chains like on his caddy i think it might have just can't remember i think the caddy may have been chained to him i think that was like something like that there were chains i think he might have been dragging like the golf bag with him or something like that yeah yeah so it was interesting representation where you know, he's obviously very dead. He's yeah. all like the prosthetics and the makeup on him. He just looks like they pulled him out of the ground mm-hmm. and he's all his he has no eyes and he looks like a walking corpse, essentially. It, it was great makeup. Yeah. It oh, looked God. really good. The makeups was great. It was re- yeah. <laughs> it was really good. But yeah, it's it was weird because it, it, it didn't I, I guess it didn't feel to me as didn't, ominous didn't quite as it check, did in the book. Didn't quite check the box that like the Dickens kind of unnerving yeah yeah it was like oh this is kind of creepy and unsettling right it wasn't didn't feel as as terrifying dark of a like of a warning and as like dire yeah that's fair yeah very different vibe still gets the message across like you know i had it all i had booze women money and where did that get me and it's like same kind of vibe yeah. for sure. I chalk it up to eighties eighties camp yeah exactly that they're kind of absolutely yeah and then the the second ghost? My all-time favorite. Yeah. She is the best part of this entire film. That is our lovely Carol King, Carol who plays Kane. the ghost of Christmas present. So and great. she is in this adorable little fairy Kinda pixie like dress. Glenda the Good Witch. Wings. She's like Glenda yeah. the Good Witch, but she's a little batshit. And I love <laughs> her. Just beating the crap out of Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, every transition that she goes yep. to between memories or current effect, like current things, since this is a Christmas present, right. so all the things that are currently happening. She, like... <laughs> Punches him, slaps him with knocks a toaster, him with knocks him down some stairs, <laughs> and then he like uh, oh my gets, god goes into the it, next scene essentially, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, the transitions for her are the freaking best. I love her so much, and she's got this like, how you doing, Frank? Yeah, it's so time airy, to go, and so she like airy. yeah, Ooh. yeah, it's like hi, oh my god, it's Bubbly. true, Carol King. Yeah, yeah, she's oh my so god, great. she is amazing and every time every other scene i would just be i'm not a witch i'm your wife and mm-hmm. that was literally all i could think of every time i thought of her and i love her just so much but yeah she's by far the best <laughs> character <laughs> and she's i always forget that she's, she's like, in the princess bride i love that yes yeah. i'm uh, not a witch i'm your wife i'm your wife she's amazing <laughs> oh my god she's amazing and then she's like close your eyes and she smacks him in the forehead to do it she's like think of whiskers on kittens and rainbows and bubbles and Bang. then she tries to i mean oh my god it's so funny uh. she it's great great little slapstick stuff yep really funny transitions um and they show some really good moments and again like i think my kind of favorite part is he goes to his in this 
adaptation. It's his actual brother mm-hmm. who's the one that keeps trying to invite him to the party. Um, so they go to the brother's house and the wife and the friends are all there and they kind of go through the motions like, when are you When are you going to learn your lesson that he's never coming? Right. He's like, well, I can't. It's my brother. And it's like, oh, see, that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And so they have a really nice touching moment with that. Uh, they go to his assistant's house too, Grace. Yes, I did want to talk. So yeah. instead of Bob Cratchit, they actually have Grace, who is played by Alfre Woodard. And oh my God, She's a great I job. love her too. She's awesome. She is, her and Carol King are by far my two favorite characters mm-hmm. in this film. Um, so Alfre Woodard, her husband, I'm assuming has passed. They, they, yes, yeah. they say that she, that he had passed. And so she's got like, I think like three or four kids mm-hmm. and she's raising them alone with her mother. And they're um, obviously live in a lower income bracket because they're not paid anything. And then her youngest son saw the father die and is just completely gone. Just traumatized. Yeah, yeah, he's traumatized and will not speak. So they don't have a physical health ailment, but a mental health ailment for him. And so he has not spoken since the death of his father. And it's just so tragic. And he's so precious. Yeah. And that's I love that family dynamic. It's a really, it's a really sweet family, and it's it is a it, really sweet family. And I think it's like I it feels that. like the first like real moment where Frank starts to like kind of question like his morals a little bit too. Like he actually starts yes. to feel. It seems like he starts to feel like more sympathetic, or at least maybe feel a little bit of empathy towards Grace's like, mm-hmm. you know, where she is in life and stuff like that. One, well, and you can tell how out of it he is and how disconnected because he didn't even know her wife his that her husband had, had died. died that's right yeah and then like carol king's like didn't you like notice when she wore black for, for over a year yeah, he's, that's right yeah and then he's like i just thought it was a fashion choice yeah like he was completely oblivious to it and it's like dude this is the person that's you your work personal assistant like that with yeah every day yeah. you work with this person every day never, they are at your beck and never call asked every how day. they were at once yeah. never inquired as yeah. to you know it's I know. That's pretty awful. And so you see, like, dude, get your shit together. How did you not know that? And she's raising four kids yeah. on her own that range from, like, maybe 10 to, like, 15 or 16. Right. Yeah. They're, like, in their Some, teens something for sure. Like, yeah. 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 And it's like, dude, how did you not know that? So it's, yeah, there's a really good, like, character development. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they flesh out a lot more, I think. But again, it's not a novella. Right. They can actually take the time to do this. To kind of yeah, they can they can build up our expectations and our emotions a little bit slower, which mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I I wanted to touch on like I think one of my favorite uh plot drives that they have in the film mm-hmm. is they don't really focus on this as much in the book, but in the film, he'll be visited by a ghost, things will happen, and then all of a sudden he gets shoved back into real time because they're still they're prepping right. for the live Christmas Eve show. This is all this it's all the same night. Right. And so he keeps getting dropped into real time. And so like everybody's like, Hey, are you okay? He's like, Yeah. I'm totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> and so they keep dropping him in. I didn't and out just of... like see my, you know, my past and like everything that yeah. I did wrong with the girl that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like having to like act like everything is okay. Right. And then I think the, one of the funniest parts is like it's when he's already seen the ghost. Oh no, he's about to see the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> and he goes out to lunch with his boss and like this the schmozy guy from LA who's coming to help. Right. And to get him out of the restaurant. 
he starts to see things that makes him leave the restaurant. What was it first, like, the, the eyeball in the glass? So he gets a highball high <laughs> cocktail, and there's a legit eye yep. just in his drink, and he just screams, yep. and no one else can see it. It's just him. So he screams at his glass, and they're like, I'm so sorry. I'll take that away. And he's like, oh, my God. And then a dude who's, like, serving something It's like a baked Alaska, I think. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And then he sets on fire and is running around the restaurant yep. completely on fire. Again, nobody else can see this. So, like, the drive to get him, he's like, I have to go. And and then he, like, throws water on the waiter yep. he, right before he leaves. And it's, like, it's so funny. And the guy's just standing there soaked going, like, what just like, happened? What did you just do? <laughs> And and like the the plot drive for this, it's genius. Mm-hmm. So they like they get him out of the restaurant, and then he gets into a cab, which is the cabbie who is the ghost of Christmas past. Right, it's and not the it's cab that he steals. No, he steals a cab from an old lady earlier. I was earlier, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like that's how they they transition to him from moment to moment, yep. and then once he's like done the ghost scenes, they they very aggressively Throw drop him back him into back into real life, and it's like currently happening now. Yep. And so you and even even more meta is like as he's completing Ghost One, Ghost Two, Ghost Three, whenever he's being dropped back into like the actual live production of A Christmas Carol for his work, it's, it's roughly the same part. time in that play it, yep. of what he had just experienced or is just about to experience. Yeah, I was gonna say and it's so good. Yeah, his, yeah, his experiences are correlating with the play that it's they're putting all lined on. up. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially it's when they they introduce the third ghost too, because you get like a fake out scene where like yeah. it's in the elevator, right? And it's like the guy in the costume, and he's just freaking out. <laughs> he screams, <laughs> punches Alfrey Woodard in the face it's... by accident. He's like, "Take me, take me, you pussy!" And then he's like, and then they're like, "It's the dude that's playing the Ghost of Christmas Future right. on our show," and they're like, "Pay him more. He's great." Yep. Did our makeup do that? Like it was, and so he like loses it because he's so on edge at this yep. point. And then in, by the time that the actual Ghost of Christmas Future comes around, he's like barely phased because he thinks it's another actor like, for whatever. his show. <laughs> he's like, "Wow, our makeup's doing a really good job. You did a really good job." <laughs> yeah, it's wow, genius. Our it's makeup such is good amazing. Tra- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they did a really good. Job. It's really, really good. Uh. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really funny moments, but then again, like his childhood was pretty dark, and then the turning point of him losing Claire in his life is also pretty dark. And then I think another really dark thing is Claire is, um, she works for a homeless shelter, right. and they're trying to like feed everybody for Christmas. And so when he goes to see her at one point, like in a, between yeah, there's ghosts, a point where he's like monologuing after he's left like work, and he's just wandering through the city, and then he ends up mm-hmm. in the soup kitchen. And is yeah, mistaken for a, up... an unhoused person and starts hanging out with like a bunch <laughs> a bunch of the people. And yeah. They think that he's an actor or something like that. He's like, do the mm-hmm. thing, do the thing. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they think he's an actor. He kind of somewhat fakes, pretends to be an actor, right. but just looks like really short and rude with them. But they're just like talking to him. Yeah. And then later, after the Ghost of Christmas Present leaves, he finds one of those unhoused people. They've frozen to death Mm -hmm. in some sort of like alleyway or something like it's it's really sad so there's a lot of really dark pieces of like you know you've already left the scene of him being with the ghost of christmas present but then we're still kind of in it even though the the ghost is not there anymore but then you see like this is happening right now exactly this is this is the repercussions of like these poor people like living out. Of not the, helping yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah. And like you're seeing this person literally froze to death. Mm-hmm. And I think that was actually 
a really pretty dark moment because in the book, it's like everything's happening at night. So it's like it hasn't happened yet. But in this, it is actually happening. So that person really did did die die because then you see them at the very end of the film as like an angel, Mm -hmm. essentially, with all of the ghosts as like a farewell thing. So that person really did die. It's not like this is what could happen if you don't change your ways. Like yeah. it, it, it did. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can stop this. This happened. Yeah. And yeah, that, there's some dark moments. There are. Uh, you see, was it Claire's son is in a, uh, is it like institutionalized because he's still. Not Claire. Uh, Grace's. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grace's son. Yeah. Uh, Calvin. Yeah. 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 So. Yep, so Calvin's the little boy who is not speaking, and so they, yeah, when they go to Christmas Future, yep. instead of him being, me- like, physically ill, he is mentally um, uh, ill, so then they basically show, instead of him dying right. or being on death's bed, he's, he is put into a mental, mental institution. institution, and so he's just in this padded big white room, and then it looks like Grace is in kind of, like, rags mm-hmm. of clothing. She looks like she is pretty impoverished as well. Right. And so she barely gets to see him and he is now in an institution and that's where they kind of leave that. Um, And then they also show Claire um, in the future where Claire is in this like really posh restaurant or something or on her terrace with all these other girlfriends and they're in very stereotypical like bougie 80s outfits and these little homeless children come up and ask for something and she's like, ew, get them out of here. I can't believe that I used to care about those people. And then, you know, Frank fixed me and told me to just like ignore them and take care of yourself yeah he had it right all along sort of thing yeah mm-hmm. yep. yeah and then i mean i think the the kind of darkest scene honestly is his death where mm. it's he they're in this really sterile room yeah. it's all black like granite like, and there's a priest and then his brother and his brother's wife mm-hmm. and no one else is there yeah. and he's in a coffin about to be cremated. Yeah, they're just sending the he's just watching his coffin being cremated and his all of his body just burning. Yeah. yeah. Then he's in that he's in the coffin. And then they have him in <laughs> yeah. that yeah. So then the transition of him being done with the ghost of Christmas future mm-hmm. is he somehow bounces into the coffin that they're cremating and is getting set on fire and then it bursts him out onto the actual set of his show right. in real time. And that's like the transition. It's so genius it's great like the transitions are so good really good job <laughs> of so it. good i just like to imagine yeah. frank is just wandering around the building just in like a, a weird fugue <laughs> state <laughs> yeah as everything yeah. else the production's happening around him and then all of a sudden he has this bit of lucidity he just and he's pops like, in and out yeah he's just like <laughs> he's here he's not there yeah. yeah and then they keep like the people he keeps running into are like where have you been right we've been f- trying to find you for like hours he's like well i uh, have a moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's just genius writing i mean it's, it's a, yeah it's a really yeah. cool take on on the christmas carol yep Yep, and I feel like uh, we're we're there. Like the comparisons are really hard to because like a lot of it's quite different just because of the timing yeah. that they put it in. Yeah. But I do want to like bump over to let's put them side yeah, by side. For sure. But I think that one of the biggest things for me was um, the character of Elliot Loudermilk. Like, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, addition? Bobcat Goldthwait's character. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was f- it w- it was f- kind of like little. It was a way for Bobcat to kind of show his comedic chops, I feel like, which was great. Yeah. He, he's like portrayed as name this, like Bobcat. I know, he's portrayed as this like down on his luck guy who gets fired. And then you see him like mm-hmm. as the transitions are happening for Bill Murray, like they're like you see him like in moments of like 
being on the street drinking or trying to drink a bottle his of booze. Wife just, yeah, his wife leaves him. Yeah, his wife And then he goes to alcohol yeah. and yeah. And then it like gets splashed by water on a taxi. But then it culminates and, yeah. like that's how he uh is transitioned into the third ghost is by uh Bobcat or I get Louder Milk coming up. God, mm-hmm. what a weird name. Louder I know, right? <laughs> Louder Milk Elliot. I don't know what I want to call him. Yeah, Elliot Louder Milk, yeah. yeah. He uh has this like gone postal moment and breaks into the mm-hmm. the executive office and like has bill, bill murray at gunpoint <laughs> yep yeah that then, character is nowhere in the book no, whatsoever no. but yeah I, you know it's i think that i think that was their their way of like having a funny tr- another one more funny transition into like the one one more person that he's affected oh, yeah, that's and had too. zero concern yeah. about like right he fires him on christmas eve yep doesn't like because because he didn't like a suggestion that he gave yeah. because he, it's again this is at the very beginning of the film where they do all the like the showing the screenings of like ads and stuff and then he shows the scary murder ad for christmas and then elliot comes up saying what exactly does that have to do with christmas yeah, well, that's right he's the one guy who stood up to him in the entire the one person who meeting. says something yeah. and then immediately gets fired yeah yeah and they the, i mean you they really show Frank Cross's character with that in exchange because he immediately goes to Grace, his, his his assistant says, fire him immediately. And she's like, it's Christmas. And he's like, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. And it's like this. <laughs> so like he doesn't right. even care. Yeah. And then they're showing like Frank is trying to have an actual like discussion about his schedule for the day. And that at the same time, security is escorting yeah. Elliot out, out of the building. building. Yeah. And so they're showing Elliot being like, my wife's a really understanding woman. She'll understand that I got laid off on Christmas Eve. Yep. And he's like trying to be like optimistic while he's getting canned. Yep. And then up top on the top of the building, Frank has a freaking like telescope that he's looking outside to see how long it took for security to, to get remove him, him from the building. Yeah, he's, and he's like, seven minutes and ten seconds. All right. And like and that's his attitude. Right. It's just for the whole thing. I mean, yeah. they set up set him up as the the character that you're supposed to to hate. He's he a is real pretty scrooge. Dislikable. He's a real scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. And they they you know, in true Christmas Carol form, they do have him say Bah humbug mm-hmm. at one point. Yeah, they get the one film. in there. They do. Mm-hmm. They get one Baha mug in there. Which fun fact, Baha mug apparently was actually not technically coined by the book, but it was popularized. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently they used Baha mug in kind of re- regular everyday conversation, but it got very popular once he put it in the oh, book. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Fun fact. Interesting. I think that, um, again, you know, so many variations of this, mm-hmm. and I think that they really stuck incredibly close to the original yeah. because it's it's got the tones it's got the points of like you have to have the three ghosts you have to have that turning point of his you know his predecessor or whatever his 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 colleague right. he looked up to comes and warns him like you have all the trajectory it hits but the they beats. really like yeah. i it hits yeah it does hit all those beats but i think they they definitely played up the the, the love interest more yeah. Um, there's a lot more of backstory in between a lot of the ghosts. I think they fleshed out a lot more of his kind of world. Yeah, I think the I think the love interest backstory was just like that's just how movie making was done when you were trying and to adapt it. And it's like, yeah, it's it, it's traditional. It's like we have to have a love story in there, right? Because that's that's how you make that's how you make him like super relatable. Because everyone has their that unrequited love that you know they may have pr- pushed away at some point in their life for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. This like the stereotypical. There has to be a love mm-hmm. interest, otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. Which I'm not super fond of, <laughs> but at the same time, I love Bill Murray. I love Karen Allen, so it's yeah. you know, I can get yeah. on board with it. And Karen Allen is like the sweetest person, and she just seems so genuine. Yeah. She plays Claire, yeah. and so she just is so lovely. <laughs> To just like she just seems so compassionate and so nice, and it's like God, how are you guys together? Right. And then they show what they were like before. Yeah, and it's it was, like oh, okay. It's like Bill I wasn't bad. All, he wasn't always bad. It you know it took that mm-hmm. you know there were moments in his life that pushed him into these decisions that he made that mm-hmm. you know flavored yeah. the rest of his life, pushed her away. Yeah, yeah. They really play up a lot more of like again because it doesn't all happen actually in like back to back one mm-hmm. night. It's like. A ghost happens, then he's back to real life. Ghost happens real life. Because they have these like breaks or these breaths in between, if you will. They also show a lot more of Frank Cross just being kind of a horrible person where like they want to have mice, like Dormouse, like on the set. Because again, to pull in our cat viewers. (laughs) (laughs) So they want Dormice on the show and then they wanted to put little antlers on them because it's Christmas and it's cute. Yeah, they said the crazy glue didn't or, work, or, and we no, don't really right. know what to do. And then he's like, "Did you try stapling staples? them?" That's right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, and then the guy's like staples, and Claire's like, "Don't you dare! I'll call the Humane Society if you do that." And he's like, "I would never do that." And he's then Frank's like, like, "Whatever, moving on," and like just like ignores right. it. It's like you just suggested to staple antlers to an animal's head. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not too surprised from the guy who times how long it takes to get someone kicked out of his building. God, right? Yeah, there's just like a lot of things. Yeah. And then they, they again, like this is all like textural stuff. Like in the beginning, when he, again, right after Elliot gets fired, he's talking to Grace about his Christmas list of who he's sending what for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's it it oscillates between if he doesn't like them, they get towels. And if he does right. kind of like them, they get a VCR. <laughs> And he was going to give his brother towels. towels. And then Grace is like, your brother? He's like, towels. Your only brother. She's like, towels. towels damn it. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like a lot of a lot more building of what a horrible human being he is. And then yep. how he kind of gets broken down and, and builds back up. That, that poor executive too yeah. that keeps having God. all that violence happen to her. <laughs> She gets hit in the I head. Know. She has a stage fall on her. <laughs> yeah, that's the gal on their set production that is for um God, what was her position? She was like for um what's what's the what's the organization that filters like the language and stuff? Oh, like you can only say certain words in the like, uh, like film and what's what's the department for that? Oh my god. I'm totally spacing. Oh, it's like the F no. C I can't remember. The FCC, FCC. or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So she was basically like a representative for like that control, right. essentially. <laughs> and she just has like sets keep falling on her and then people keep like punching her in the face yep. and things get dropped yep. on her. And by the end, she's like in like, like a, like a cast and like a bandage on her, her head. Her nose is yeah. all, yeah, her nose is all broken. <laughs> like there's like random comedic things that are really not relevant to no. the story, but it's really funny. Yeah. But yeah, I think what did I wanted to ask, like, what were your thoughts on the ending of the film? It's just them all like celebrating. Oh, that's right. He has like the big like apology, like the apology on TV to Claire and stuff like that. And he interrupts mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, that's right. He interrupts the show right when Scrooge has like his like, you know, 
moment where he's like shouting out onto the streets and stuff like that. And then he like he talks about like his strained relationship with his brother and everyone who he's like hurt and stuff like that. I guess for like the messaging of like the guy behind the scenes to come out on TV and like have this like big kind of like come to God moment where he's just like kind of mm-hmm. rec- reconciling with everything. I mean, I feel like they sped it up a little bit because like the whole like I guess we're are we in the comparison part? Yeah, we're comparing. Yep, we're there. Um, we're doing yeah, it. It's happening. Uh, because Scrooge, it shows like him throughout that entire day, like doing things like charitably mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and it's not just him apologizing it's like the actual actions and steps that he takes to like show that he's like a reformed person now and really all that bill murray's character frank has to do is just essentially apologize on tv and then he's he, he's good with everyone like that's all it is like he gets the girl at the end yeah. and everything and like yeah it's a little i feel like the ending is a little like kind of it kind of like loses the meaning of the story like you don't see like him actually repenting for all the stuff that he's done but you know he says that he's a reformed person yeah i thought that was an interesting take because you're right he doesn't go out and like i'm gonna go feed these these people who don't have food i'm gonna like go and like give this person a raise you don't see him actually donating money to like a charity or anything like that giving the money to like the the organization that claire helps or sorry grace helps and stuff like that yeah yeah is it claire it is claire it is claire Claire. yeah (laughs) grace is why am i those two names (laughs) (laughs) but i mean there are some points that like right after the ghost of christmas future leaves right. he because the thing is like he tries to escape elliot who's got the gun on him he goes into the elevator and that's where the ghost of christmas future is right. and then they go on this crazy trippy thing where it's like he's falling in an elevator to get from scene mm-hmm. to scene and then once he's done with that the elevator doors open back up and elliot is still standing there with his gun right. and like that moment is where he like comes to jesus essentially and starts saying, oh, my God, I'm alive. This is crazy. I am i can't believe that I haven't missed it yet. And then he immediately goes to Elliot and he's like, oh, my God, Elliot, I'm going to give you back your job. Not only that, I'm going to give you a, sh- a huge right. raise. Not yeah. only that, your position is, do you want my office? Like, he That's just starts, right. like, yeah. trying to. So there's, like, that one moment. But then everything else is just him, like, having this ridiculously long kind of a little on the crazy side speech on national television. Right about like you can go out and like give to people and and, and like you're gonna want that feeling more and more because you realize how good it makes and you, you feel and chase you just, that it feeling. doesn't have to be christmas yeah. yeah it doesn't have to be christmas you can do this all year round and it's great and i i get it and like he has this moment but you're right it's kind of like i'm just gonna say all right. this stuff on national television and not really have any actions to follow up on it yeah. and then voila i'm cured kind of <laughs> reminds me of like you know the corporation saying like oh yeah you can you too can recycle and that'll definitely help you know cut down your own carbon footprint you'll feel so much better about it but you know yeah very lip service yeah, exactly for sure I, I think it is a pretty big pivotal thing for his character development yeah as far as like he never would have believed or said any of that prior to this experience because he he, he was peppering it all throughout the film of like Christmas is a hoax mm-hmm. it's a sham it's just people like trying to suck, suck you for all your worth and like bah humbug and all that kind of stuff and he says that throughout and he's like this is ridiculous like I don't care about this this is dumb yeah and then by the end of it you you do hear him like I understand why people think charity work is important I understand why being with family is important I understand why prioritizing certain things mm-hmm. can actually make a difference in your life which is a big it's, step. It's a good, yeah. I mean, it's good messaging, but like, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind of empty. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Empty. But, you know, again, it's a 
comedy from the 80s, so you don't really have yep. to drive home those important messages as much. It's just as long as, like, you know, the good guy, you know, does the right thing in the end sort of thing or whatever. Yeah. Learns a lesson. And then there's, like, that really... Yeah, he did learn a lesson, and it's like, you hope he will act from it, but they don't actively show anything right. that he actually learned from it. But then there is, like, the really sweet moment where Grace's uh, little boy who isn't speaking, they're on set to see it live, mm-hmm. and then he runs up to him, and he does the whole, like, stereotypical God blesses everyone, mm-hmm. but he says he it, does. which is, like, the first time he's spoken in years. Right. So that's, like, a really big moment. And that so, was pretty yeah, sweet. I mean, there's... There's some nice moments there, yeah. but overall, yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> you didn't technically do anything yeah. except rehire Elliot after he had the worst, like, 24 hours of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Interesting choice. He does get the girl at the Yay. end. Yeah. Claire forgives That's him. All that yeah. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. All she needed to do is see was him just say really nice things on national television. That's all she needed. Yeah. She's a, That's... a woman of simple means. <laughs> She, yeah, she. T- there should have been a scene where she tells herself, "I will not talk to that Frank again unless he makes a poly- a big apology on TV." Calls it out. Calls it out to me. <laughs> points to the, you know, points to the the, sta- the stands. And Looking like, at this you, is where the, Claire. This is where the home runs going right here. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. The ending of the book. There just seemed to be a lot more actual, like heartfelt yeah. effort. You see, you see, Scrooge as the reformed person because he actually like follows through with the actions that he's like kind of learned, and yeah, you know, you see, it it gives more weight to the the things that he's seen in the single night that he has this, you know, tr- life changing event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think one of my one of my favorite parts in the book is for the ending mm-hmm. specifically is where um he, you know we think we're looking back at christmas eve where he told bob cratchit that he had to come in on christmas oh, yes. Day for a few yeah. things so bob cratchit is in and he's like what five minutes late yeah. or something and so he comes in and oh yeah go no, no 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 i, I i'm just yeah. I'm, I'm excited because i, I remember this specifically <laughs> and i'm like this is a little this is a kind of little funny like tongue-in-cheek like Boba or not tongue cheek, but it's just like a funny little comedic moment for Dickens, though, right? Because yeah. Cratchit thinks that he's like in trouble and stuff like that because Scrooge is mm-hmm. like he has this mean demeanor on and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's five minutes late. Scrooge is putting on a on a face of like I'm really disappointed and angry that you're late. And so Scrooge, so then Cratchit's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And like is trying to like profusely apologize for being late. Right. And then Scrooge is like, Oh yeah, well. Uh, because you were late, um, I'm going to increase your there's salary. There's only one thing I can and, do because, yeah. Yeah, there's only, yeah. And so he makes it seem like this impending right. doom is coming. And he's like, I'm going to pay you more. And I'm going to make you go home and spend time with your family and give you more time off in general. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> well, that I mean, that's sort of like the he kind of has that moment with uh, uh, Bobcat's <laughs> character. I think that's sort of supposed to be like a little bit kind of representative of that. It's like, yeah, uh, you can have this. You're back. You, you can have everything, you know. I, I've, I've yeah. changed my ways, and you're the first person I see, so you're going to have all this great stuff happen to you, sort of thing. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I, I like it because it is kind of tongue-in-cheek, where he's like, I'm really upset with you, oh, and I'm going to yeah. veil 
my my actual like niceness with what I should sound right. like in because you just because this is what I sound like as of yesterday and so nobody knows that I've changed exactly yet. so I'm gonna play into that it was it's clever yeah, it's, it's clever fun. I like that that was it that was a fun part yeah and then you know it's like all the kind of stereotypical um you know the tiny Tim God bless us everyone mm-hmm. it's there mm-hmm. and um you know the go buy me a goose the biggest the, the goose one in is, all of the London. one as big as me sir yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like really classic tropes of like, I feel like it's really embodied a lot of Christmas yeah. stuff. Also, fun fact, since, you know, Dickens is English, uh, they actually say Happy Christmas in England, but he actually says Merry Christmas in the book. And so he actually helped popularize the phrase of Merry Christmas, oh. even though they say Happy Christmas in the UK. He's such a trendsetter, that so. Dickens. Right. Also, he wrote it in six weeks. Very impressive. That's six that. That is a like for such a uh, a oh big piece of our you know pop culture zeitgeist for a around the holidays, around the holidays and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah. And he read crazy. it. He wrote it just in time for it to be released for Christmas, wow. essentially. So he like cranked through it in like October or. November through December and like man it's it's November 15th and I'm only on the second ghost I have to, I originally <laughs> thought I'd do five ghosts now I'm gonna have to cut this down to like <laughs> I don't know three Ugh. I don't know three enough. I guess I don't know <laughs> we only got two more weeks um <laughs> we have to yeah, cut ghost so... number six <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's just there's a really fascinating information about the book yeah. honestly that like and and it is kind of amazing how much of a Christmas staple it is, like, all over the world. Yeah. Like, I know it's really popular in the UK, it's really popular in the States, but a lot of the tropes have carried over in a lot of different It's things. definitely, you like, know, it's... pierced that pop culture, like, you know, mm-hmm. membrane. It's it's there. Yeah. It's not, it's not going anywhere. No. I mean, and it is a really beautiful story yeah. when you kind of break down the, the kind of structure of it. And it is really easy to adapt because it literally is like part one, part two, part three yeah. in the structure. And I think actually Dickens wrote it with the hopes to actually perform it. Like a, So he wrote it almost like, like it, it was, was kind of a stage yeah. play. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently he also loved to perform. Makes sense. So... Yeah, I mean, and it, it is. It's broken down beautifully to have literally Act 1, Act 2, Act yep. 3. Yeah, it definitely has that, yep. that structure that's meant for, you know, the stage or the screen now. So, yeah, which is why it's been so successful, honestly, I think. It's like It really has a good flow. Yeah. It's a really good flow overall. Um, and it's just really pretty writing. Very pretty, it's fun. Very Dickens. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's definitely one of the staples of Christmas that I remember growing up with, for sure. It's it like, is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been around our entire lives, so I can't really think of anything that hasn't been affected by it because it has literally existed as long as like longer than yeah. we have. Yeah. And always will. Yes. Perpetuity. Dickens, you did it. A plus. <laughs> the Dickens, kid. you say. The Dickens. <laughs> I think they make a joke of that in the film, too. He's like, the Dickens. Yeah. The, like, doesn't he that say something right. like that? I, I he wrote makes that a Dickens down at joke in the film. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> what the line is, but yeah, they make a joke of like, I'm scaring the Dickens out of people. Oh, <laughs> we didn't even mention Danny Elfman did the soundtrack for this movie. Oh, Danny Elfman. Oh, let's talk about that for a hot second. Um, yeah, so it basically felt like a combination of every Tim Burton film, but with Bill with Murray. Bill Murray, it was great. <laughs> it was so good, <laughs> Danny Elfman. He's great. He's a. Oh, oh, it's so I recognizable it. every time you like 
he has such oh, a style yeah. to his his uh yes he does yeah the beginning or i guess i think the theme of ebenezer mm-hmm. is it, well i guess uh, in not ebenezer but frank cross mm-hmm. in the film is like this really beautiful vocal like qu- choral track underneath mm-hmm. and then oh, like the orchestra and it's like in true danny elfman vibes of lots of clarinets and bass oh, clarinets yeah. and blah, 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 going in the background. A lot of slurs and stuff. And, yeah. A lot of slurs, a lot of bends and oh, yeah. all, all this like la 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 la's on top. It's like, yep, makes me think a lot of like Edward Scissorhand mm-hmm. and like the um the Tim Burton Batman oh, yeah. and like all this. Like, there's like, a lot of big, those vibes like, going gothic, on. Like gothic grandiose, but like very staccato yep. too at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Which again, 80s. This was the peak 80s, this and I think prime time Danny Elfman because Batman came yep. out the year after this, and that's right, it came out in 89. I feel like yeah, well, uh, Scissorhands came out in like 84 or something like that, 83 maybe, Ooh, something like that, early yeah. 80s, and then Beetlejuice, yeah, and then was like mid 80s because it came after mm-hmm. C- Edward Scissorhands, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice was first. Was it? I'm pretty sure. I think Beetlejuice was before Batman because those are both Michael Keaton. Yeah, no, that's right. But did it? Okay, I don't know. I don't know my th- timeline yeah. of movies that well. I know they're I all know. in it's the eighties. It's just a decade that I lump everything. <laughs> yeah. I do know that while Batman was being filmed, hmm. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas was also being filmed oh. at the same time, and then uh, Tim Burton got credit for both of them, even though he was only working on Batman. <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> yes. Wow. He was basically the money, but oh. he didn't do any of the actual like production. Was it his like Nightmare Before Christmas? Was it his like production company that did it or was it It was the um So oh, I know he was like in gosh. The... I I just talked to Yvonne about this because we um it, we talked about this in Coraline, Coraline, yeah. It was, the, right. it was the same so it, it is like what for what later became to be Leica Studios. Oh, okay. And I'm totally spacing on his name, but he he was like he doesn't ever get any credit for I, the fact that yeah. Because oh I know that Tim Burton did like got his start with like short films, like and he did like a, do, do like a stop motion y sort of film. The concept was all his, okay. but yeah, it it wasn't him actually producing and creating it, but he had the concept and he gave like the approval at the Interest. end. Interesting. Okay, he just had a lot of input yeah. on it then. Yeah, but he was not actually there. Did he get like a producing credit or something? He he's like it's Tim Burton's just, Nightmare oh, Before wow. Christmas. That's, that's not just a even producing though, credit. That's like exactly yeah. like it's his movie, even though he didn't actually like produce it. I don't know how we got on this. T- oh, oh yeah, Danny Elfman. I'm like, how do yeah. we get here? Yeah. <laughs> We've totally taken a turn. I mean, it's still Christmassy. Yeah, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who counts? Yeah, yeah, we're still in Christmas, right? Oh my god, this is gonna dry. Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck uh. was the one that did it. Yes. Okay. Credit where yes. credit is all, due. All y'all's Henry Selleck was actually the the mastermind behind the Nightmare Before Christmas, even though it says Tim Burton's. Nightmare Don't let Christmas. anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah, I will drill that yeah. home till the cows come home. Uh, yeah. Anyway, tangents. Uh, Danny Elfman did the music. <laughs> it was great. Sorry, I just I wanted to bring that up before. <laughs> no, I that's huge. I love Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> and also Richard Donner, the director. He also directed Superman, the uh, Christopher Reeve. That's Superman. right. With Christopher Reeves, yep. yeah. 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 Oh, so so many good people were involved yeah. with both of these. Like. Boy. Well, any final thoughts now that we've gotten Danny Elfman dropped uh, in there? Because why not? I don't know. I think we did a pretty good job of covering everything. I think we did it. Yeah. I think that's it, folks. I think uh, 
If you don't know the story, um, I'm sorry. I mean, it's a, but you it's, should a, fix it's a quick that. read, honestly. Take real yeah, quick. Read. Take you like really quick. A few hours, a couple days, if you want to spread it out. But like, yeah. I mean, if you really want to milk yeah. it, yeah. I, I mean, know the, I did. The audiobook was like three hours. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a short. Yeah. <laughs> so, Let's get it done in short. an afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really sweet read. Um, and again, I feel like this is very common. I've talked to a lot of people who have never read the book but know the story really, oh, yeah. really well because again, it's been out there for quite some time and redone over and over and yeah. over. So if uh, if you're wanting to relive it in a new way with a new lens, you should read it if you haven't. It's really great. Also, Scrooge is a fun movie. Yeah. Scrooge is it's so fun funny. Movie. Oh my God. Man, if you're fine with like cringy 80s films and Bill Murray humor, it is the cup of tea Definitely for you, Definitely worth a friend. watch. It is. Mm, it's just staple in my household i tell you staple it's so good <laughs> that and muppet christmas Carol oh, are probably hands down my, lovely. my two favorite versions <laughs> oh it's michael kine my, michael kine michael say my cocaine that's what it sounds Marco like Kine. yeah it's, did you say michael Kine? no i said michael kine michael michael kine uh yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> on that you just note, devolve into saying just, that yeah, that's, over that's and how over you just and fade so out just on that. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, Michael Caine. Uh, yep, that's pretty great. All right, kid. Well, let's sign off. What uh, what are you doing? What am I doing? What what, uh, what do I have to? What, what do you to plug? Yeah, what's going on in your world? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you and Julie showed me a pretty fun show that I'd like to plug called. The Ugh. interview or interview with the vampire, an interview with the vampire. Anne Rice's yeah, new. it's Anne Rice's yeah. it's the newest show. Really freaking good. Yeah, really good. It's beautiful. Highly recommend yeah. it, especially if you've. I, I think if you've read the book or the series, really, mm-hmm. and want to see a very different like retreading of it. Almost. Yeah. yeah, it's very very interesting representation, and it actually interesting because it's called Anne Rice's mm-hmm. interview with the vampire because she actually did help with the production and kind of creation of this version of it if you mm-hmm. will before she passed away isn't so she still it, alive uh, I'm pretty sure she's still alive uh oh I think I <laughs> looked it up but I think because I also thought that she was t- <laughs> didn't she die <laughs> yeah she died December 11th 2029 oh, okay. oh 2021 yeah yeah. 21. 29. <laughs> 29. <Whoa>! Future death. <laughs> she time traveled. She's so above death. She died her, in the future. Her corpse time traveled uh, back to 2021. Yeah. Don't scare me no, like sorry, that, I, Spencer. Well, I was like, no, to be fair, I'm she was, sure she passed away. Okay. Never mind. It was very recent, though. It was only a year ago. It was. Less than a year ago. It was about a year. Yeah. A little under yeah. a year. Yeah. I was like, don't scare right, me like that. <laughs> She's, I was like, oh no, did I just She's back at the vampire. Ooh. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, you scared Sorry. me. I was like, what have I been living a lie this whole time? Zombie and Rice want producer credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, yeah. Good, really good show. Really cool watch. I think it's fun. Yeah, it's very pretty. Really yeah. nice casting. Uh, yeah, I highly agree. It's really good so far. And I think, I haven't finished yeah, it I yet. think next we'll on my there. list is going to be, I'm going to reread Watchmen because I. I haven't read that one in a while. Man, that's a great one. And it's sitting on my shelf right now, just staring yep, at me. That is a good one. 
Yep. Yep. Watchmen's also excellent. That is also on my list of things like, ooh, there's a film and there's a show for Watchmen. Hmm. The show is completely different because it's an extension. Yeah, that's true. It's show's wonderful. really good. If I that'll be my plug. Oh, yeah. Uh if you haven't seen the Watchmen show on HBO, watch it. Watch the yeah. Watchmen. Who is watching the Watchmen? You are. You are. Uh, yeah, it's really. Good. I had a. I <laughs> I reviewed it because I don't want to say the W word again because I've already said it too many times. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's really good. I for, I mean, I really liked it the first time, but like going over it again, I was like, oh, oh this is this is just good writing, stellar yeah. writing, and it's compelling. in the Watchmen universe, and it is very compelling, and it is an extension. So you you know, it's it goes beyond mm-hmm. the comic book, it goes beyond the film. So of course, Alan Moore wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, where are you? Let's talk Alan Moore some anyone more. Anyone is created of his. I know. <laughs> I know. And yet he keeps saying yes. That's the I thing. Think he just doesn't care at this point. He's just like, leave me out of it. I have give, my he's shit. Just giving up. <laughs> oh, Alan Moore. Uh, yeah, it's. Our favorite curmudgeon. It, the show is fantastic. The, oh, he is the ultimate curmudgeon, Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, but damn, does he do good writings. Yeah. Not going to disagree with that. Man's damn, eloquent. he's kind of a mastermind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely my plug. Watchmen. Watchmen all cool. the way. Watch, Watch it. It's great. <sighs> All right, kid. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a lovely yeah. little treat for a twofer with you. That was ya. fun. Man, I'm yeah, surprised yeah. we got a, an hour and 50 minutes out of a 70-page uh, <laughs> book. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Good. Job yeah, well yeah. done. And we, we did it. I washed did my hands we, did we of this and we're out. enough for you? <laughs> And we didn't really talk this about Taika at all. Just at the beginning and right now. And now we're going to launch Just into our Taika <laughs> section for another And now it's part two. Because <laughs> we have to of bring Taika into this somehow. The Taika cast. Taika, you should do your own version of A Christmas yeah. Carol. That's my my other plug. Taika, be my friend and please also do A Christmas Carol. Because we would love to see your rendition of it. Oh my God. That would be God. amazing. It's... Can you imagine if it was a Thor Christmas Carol? <gasps> no, I just I'm imagining Bre- uh, uh, Jermaine uh, Clement as Scrooge because I think he would <gasps> be funny as Scrooge. Oh my god! And I know exactly who would be um, Reese Darby would be would the be Ghost of Christmas Future. No, oh he could be Marley actually too. I was saying Ghost of Christmas. Yet, uh, or, yet no, no, actually Ghost of Christmas Present. Oh, okay. I would say Reese Darby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe, maybe Marley. Ooh. Or maybe, or maybe, Ooh. maybe it'd be funnier if Brett McKenzie was Marley because they used to work together. Yes. <laughs> you left me uh. behind. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Oh my God. Yep. That. Um. That should yeah. happen. Make it happen. I'm gonna put Listen, that in the side. I don't even want. Moni- I, just, I don't want any credit unless you put Spencer no. Fife's. A Christmas Carol above the top. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just want the give me name. That Tim Burton credit. <laughs> Tim Burton it up. Yeah. Uh, well, on that lovely note. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> this is why we don't own a yeah, movie exactly. business, I think. <laughs> Run right into the ground. Uh, I feel like we'd have all the ideas and no financial support whatsoever because it'd just be us thinking mm-hmm. it was a good idea. <laughs> so, like every other fledgling. Movie, yeah. yeah. Ooh, it's, too yeah. real. Too Tale real, Spencer. Oh. 
Oh, the film industry. Ah. Don't we just love it? <laughs> uh, all right, kids. Well, thank you for joining me, Spencer. It was lovely to chat yet again about a totally different thank topic. Thank you for having and me. This is yeah, it's so much fun talking to you about this stuff. I always have a blast. Oh, I'm glad not, that you're not sick of no, me yet because I feel like one of these days, someone's going to be like, can you just <laughs> stop talking for like a second? Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to do it on the podcast, though, just so that everyone hears it. Broadcast it. (laughs) Just shut up for once, Aaron. God damn it. Shut up! (laughs) I'm having a moment. Ah, Doc, so much (laughs) to me. Specifically, after you invited me to come talk to you. How dare you? Oh, yeah. Well, now the truth comes Mm. out. Spencer hates talking to me. You heard it here first. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Exclusive. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you for coming. I'll never be back. And to our listeners, thank you. Spencer's never yep. coming back. That's what we've That's just it. heard, apparently. Bye. You heard, it's all coming in. <laughs> all right. Bye. Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my my lovelies, thank you for joining us. I, I'm sorry, we'll stop talking and we will see in you next three, time. Two, Bye. one. Bye. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> How do you end a podcast? (laughs) Well, that's not it.